Hello, you're listening to a sermon provided by the First Presbyterian Church of Mayopac. We worship on Sundays at 10 a.m., and you can watch us live either on Facebook or YouTube. And if you're in the area, there's always a seat saved for you. We hope that this message encourages you to continue growing in humility and faith. Thanks for listening. So this uh, scripture lesson for this week was interesting as I thought about how we look at scripture in light of everything that's going on. And perhaps it's still an appropriate scripture for us to consider this morning. Uh, certainly it was part of our Lenten series uh, called uh, Call to Die that we're following from, from our denomination, which centered on uh, the idea of, of what it means uh, to explore issues of poverty this morning. And so uh, trying to merge all those things together, I invite us to read uh, together uh, the passage that we will reflect on this morning that comes from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 19, verses 16 to 22. And we will be using the NRSV version of the Bible. But if you have another version that you are more comfortable with, uh, then I invite you to read from that uh, as well. So hear now these words of, of Holy Scripture. Then someone came to him and said, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he, being Jesus, said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. One who is good. If you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. He said to him, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear faultlessness. Honor your father and mother. Also, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, I have kept all these. What do I still lack? Jesus said to him, If you wish to be perfect, go, sell your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this word, when the young man heard this word, he went away grieving, for he had many possessions. Let us pray. Almighty God, as we reflect on your word this morning, on Holy Scripture, how it speaks to us, in our own time of wilderness this morning and for the weeks ahead, we ask that it help to illumine us, that it help to enrich our souls, our spirits, so that in this time in which we face, we are reminded of the ways in which we have still been called to be a community, a community that's not only meant Uh, that a community that does not just exist within the four walls of a church building, but, oh God, the community at large that you have called us to be a part of. And so we ask that the scripture this morning may open our hearts and our minds 
to the ways in which we can still be that community and live it out in our daily lives. We ask this in your most blessed name we pray. Amen. So a friend posted a picture on Facebook recently that gave me some something to think about. And perhaps you've seen pictures like it. But my friend, uh, Michael, he, he showed a picture online of a, of a store he went to recently where it was just a whole bunch of empty shelves. You, you can see it if you're watching online. You, you can see uh, the picture there. But just imagine that you're in a store, in case you're just listening, imagine that you're in a store and all you see are empty shelves. For some reason or another, when we experience an ice storm or a snowstorm or a, 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 an epidemic, I guess you might say, like COVID-19 like we're facing now, we somehow have this base instinct to go and try and collect everything we possibly can, whether we need it or not. Toilet paper being the odd, uh, the odd, odd one I've never been quite able to figure out. But this idea of empty shelves really stuck with me this morning as I reflected on this passage from, from Matthew's gospel and how it relates to our current and present situation. Because this, this picture is a reminder, at least for me, what it means for us to act in times of anxiety, times of crisis, times of uncertainty. It's a way in which we can experience one another in new and challenging ways. It can perhaps bring out the best in us, and it could perhaps bring out the worst in us. I was thinking this week of educators and thinking about people who work in our county's health department. And I've been thinking about all the angry messages that people that I've seen that people have sent sent them, not that I've seen them, but, but hearing from experience. And I thought that in times like this, it's a test for how we are going to respond as a community, as people of faith, it's a time in which we must learn to curb our fear, to curb our fear and learn what it means truly to grow and live in grace. It's in times like these that we also, I feel, have an opportunity when we are forced to slow down, when we're perhaps in a position where we have to stay home or limit our social interaction. I feel like it is also in times like these in which we are able to take stock of what is truly important. What really does have value, as I've said on a number of different times before, what really does have value in our lives, what really is important and what perhaps isn't so important what things are life-giving and what things aren't life-giving. And these are questions that we're going to find as we head into a reflection this morning on this interaction between Jesus and the rich young ruler. 
There's a, a handful of different questions, though, that I find we, we have to ask ourselves as we wrestle with this passage. One, the first question being, comes from the, the young rich ruler themselves who says, who asked Jesus this question, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? We also find that we have to ask ourselves, are we actually following the commandments in our daily lives? Another question we might ask ourselves is, what do I lack? And the other issue that I feel is important for us, especially in this time that we find ourselves in, is how do we address issues of poverty in our world and spirit and in our community? Thinking about these words that Jesus has just given to us. So first we, we have this this question that the rich young ruler poses to Jesus, where the rich young ruler comes and, and asks Jesus, what good thing do I have to do to really get eternal life? It's, and it's an interesting question, isn't it? Because it's framed in a way in which almost salvation or eternal life is put on a list of things that you can just cross off. I'm not sure what the rich young ruler was thinking, but perhaps they thought that, oh, if I just have to do two or three more things and I can cross that off my list, then I'm good to go. It's hard for us when we talk about grace and eternal life, when we talk about what it means to follow God. Sometimes I feel like, uh, it feels like it's hard to talk about things like uh, eternal life or salvation because it's crossing that fine line between what is works oriented and what is grace oriented. And oftentimes it's somewhere in between because I don't think we can say as people of faith that eternal life in this case is, is only done by doing a certain list of things. But at the same time, I don't know if we could fully say that it's it's 100% one thing or the other. Because as people of faith, we know that as we have received God's grace to do the things that we have been called to do, that that evokes a response from us to live our lives out in a way that is faithful. But so anyway, the rich young ruler comes and asks Jesus this question of what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And instead of giving them a checklist, Jesus asks them, well, you have to follow the commandments. <laughs> to which the rich young ruler asks, which ones? And Jesus lists off a good handful of commandments, which may sound familiar, and they should, because a, a, a good handful of them come from what we know as the Ten Commandments. And of, of course, um, the golden rule, as it's known in many different traditions as well, to love your neighbor as yourself. And what I find interesting about these commandments is that they aren't meant to be constricting. You know, I think oftentimes when we think of commandments, when we think of rules, we think that they're just something that bind us. That, you know, oh, I, you know, it's, we might think of them like a parent who says, no, you can't do that. You can't do this. You can't do that. But that's not necessarily, that's not really what the commandments are about. The commandments in many ways are actually liberators. They show us the way that we can live into community, a better community with one another. 
it shows us the way that we can love more fully, the way that we can give of ourselves more fully, the ways in which we can certainly love our neighbor in new ways, new and meaningful ways. The commandments are more about long-term commitments for us to live and enter into a community of a whole diverse group of human beings. Following the commandments are not just some kind of short-term commitment that we can check off, perhaps what the rich young ruler was asking. It's a commitment for us instead to enter into what it means to live fully as a community of faith and as people who are called to enter into something that goes beyond themselves. This next question that the rich young ruler asked Jesus, or um, yeah, the next question that the rich young ruler asked is also another interesting question. Where the rich young ruler asks, what is it do I lack? And in many ways, I find this question to be amusing. I find it to be funny because the rich young ruler has everything. If we were to dive into the culture or the history of this text, we would know that the rich young ruler was someone who had an abundance of wealth. They would have had plenty, but it is in their plenty that they lack the ability to see what it means they lack the means to see what it is they actually don't have. In this case, the kind of humble spirit, the kind of commitment that Jesus is looking for. This kind of oversight on the part of the rich young ruler um, reminds me of the old, I don't know if it's a folk story, um, but it reminds me of the, the classic story, The Emperor's New Clothes. Uh, where the emperor, you know, is this rich figure. They have plenty. They have the ability to to um, have whatever it is they want. And so they should have the wits to know that something's not right when this tailor come, comes and sells them clothes, in parentheses, <laughs> that are not actually there. <laughs> this person who should have who had everything or appeared to have everything lacked in this instance, basic common sense. And it took someone who is very unexpected to point that out to the ruler. In our search to acquire things, whether it be material goods or spiritual, um, material, uh, spiritual things, we run the risk of neglecting or forgetting the things that really matter, the things that are right in front of us. Going back to the picture of the empty shelves, it's a reminder of a time in which we might be forgetting the least of these, that we might be in a position to hoard toilet paper or to hoard and hold on to a number of canned goods or things like that. But there are certainly people now who aren't in a position to do such a thing. And so in our response as people of faith, as we look at the ways in which we can be a community virtually, but also still be a community in this present world, it's a question we ask ourselves and, and perhaps a question we have to reframe 
And so instead of asking, what is it do we lack? Perhaps we need to ask ourselves the question of, of how we live into the community God has called us into. How do we live into a community where we care for those who are elderly, where we care for our veterans who might not have the resources? How do we care for our teachers and educators who are also living into new ways of teaching? How do we live into a community where we can care for those who provide healthcare and other services, our first responders, our firefighters, police officers, in this time in which so much is uncertain? The question of what do I lack is one that is certainly more self-serving. And as we enter into this time of wilderness, I feel as though, and I believe, that it is important for us to ask the question of how we live into a much more fuller community in which we certainly do take care of ourselves. I'm not saying we shouldn't take care of ourselves, but we also need to be mindful of those that Jesus has called us to care for as well. Which leads us into our last point this morning in, in thinking about what it means to think about poverty and community on a much broader scale in the context of this passage. Because we're reminded that the rich young man, that the, earth, the rich young ruler goes away grieving. Scripture says that they go away grieving. And I think in some other portions or um, versions of this um, text that has the young rich ruler going away grieving but with their head down sorrowful. It's clear that the rich young ruler was not in a place where they were willing to respond to the ish, to the challenge that Jesus had laid out in front of them. The challenge was, yes, it's good to follow and to keep the commandments, but if you really want to follow me, you have to do one other thing, which is that you can't look out just for yourself but I want you to go out and to live your life in a way in which you're also living and caring for all those people who belong in this kingdom of God, this broader, richer community. And the rich young ruler just wasn't in a place to respond to that call. And so as we're told again in scripture, they go away with their head hanging low, grieving. How do we, though, find ourselves in a place where we might respond similarly to the rich young ruler? What would keep us from responding faithfully to this call, this claim that Jesus has put on our lives? Perhaps it's in the way that we go about living our lives. Perhaps it's our pride, perhaps it's our inability to empathize or feel compassion towards the least of these. Perhaps it's the way in which we ourselves have experienced hurt and so we're not able to be in the place of vulnerability where Jesus is asking us to be. But that's the point though of what it means to live in a community of faith, to be part of this thing that Jesus has called us to be a part of because it's something that's not perfect. 
It's a place where everyone can come, a place where everyone can continue to grow, a place where we can be ourselves. And it's not going to be a community where we're perfect, but it is certainly going to be a place where we exercise what it means to live in grace and love on a continuing basis. So how do we build these kind of communities heading into this time that we find ourselves? Like I said, how are we going to find ways that we can care for our veterans, our teachers, healthcare workers, older adults, everyone in between? Perhaps it's ways that we can take time now in our week to just call one another. Since we might not be able to gather in person, we can call one another. That we can find ways to be in community with one another, even though space separates us. And it will be important for us to find ways that we can continue to help one another as well. Because in doing so, we'll find that we're not poor in spirit. Because that's maybe part of it also as we move towards the end of this reflection, which is that perhaps there are empty shelves because we try to act in our own interest. But perhaps we should refrain, or uh, perhaps we should, yeah, refrain, repurpose that empty shelf illustration to focus more on the fact that perhaps there, we, there can be empty shelves, not because we are acting in our own self-interest, but because we are looking out for one another as well. Perhaps we go that little extra effort to pick up things for others who might need them more because they're not able to leave their house. Perhaps they just don't have the means. It's all about our perspective and the ways in which we respond faithfully to this claim that Christ has put out there for us to respond to. Instead of living with a mentality of scarcity and fear, we can find ways now to live out of the abundance of God's grace and compassion and God's love and that abundance that we have in our care for one another. And if we do that, if we act and respond in that kind of manner, perhaps, perhaps the shelves won't seem quite as empty after all. Amen. Thanks again for listening, and we will hold you in prayer as we head into a new week. If you'd like to learn more about our church and ministry, or if you'd like to learn how you can support us, you can visit our website at mayopacchurch.org. Until next week, God bless.